0: Okay, well that's good news and all the way around. So you tell me when I start. Yep, we'll oh, start. Oh, I start, huh? Oh yeah. wow, my goodness. Where's my water? Okay, well we're back here today. We took a week off and we'll have some more to take off because this is Alaska and we have doors to hang and we have sheetrock to do and lots of things and so we try to fit all that together in the summer. I got to say right off the bat, here is I, um, we had this guy, a friend, he calls himself a friend of uh, Cliffside. Oh, yeah. And what he did was just extraordinary. Where did you put this, Dave? Where is this at? Where can people find
1: it? Uh, Right now they can't, but when I do the video uh, to put on Sermon Audio and uh, on uh, our own website, um, it's going to have that entire song at the very end. Um, So they can listen to it there.
0: Okay, that. What this? What this is? uh, He he says this. He says, "Dear Cliffside, what is attached was inspired by Pastor Cronister's teaching on Ecclesiastes 12. Yours unto the glory of Christ, a friend." And since this is an original song written by myself, I can and do confer all copyright, ownership, etc., to Cliffside Community Chapel, who are free to use and distribute this work as they see fit. If they see fit, well, we obviously see fit. I mean, it's amazing what he did. And he, uh, I thought that it was him that sang it, but he, he, got, he, he talks to Dave here more than he does to me, and that's really wise. But um, he, he wrote this song down on a, or the idea, I guess, on a piece of sheetrock which is uh, hilariously funny, (laughs) said, when I saw a piece of... Oh, let let me read that part, because it's really, really interesting. Oh, yeah. As an aside, the work I was doing at that time was no other than drywalling and remodeling of a shower room. That may sound familiar, but I promise I'm not making it up. In fact, the first four lines came to me as I was thinking about the content of the lectures and were quickly scribbled down with a carpenter's pencil on a piece of scrap wallboard. I remember thinking at the time, man, this would make a great intro for a song, and so a little piece of wallboard came home with me in my tool bag. Uh, admittedly, it, it sat in my garage for a while and did nothing, literally shelved until one day I had some free time and cleaned out my tool bag. When I saw the piece of wallboard and the snippets of Ecclesiastes 12, scribbled upon it, I got all inspired again and picked up my guitar, and pretty soon afterwards I had the lyrics and chord arrangement that I sent you with the song. And so he has sent this song and he, uh, to Dave, and Dave is... is uh, figuring out how to get it uh, where it's accessible. I also recorded a rough demo soon afterwards, but despite my best efforts, it wasn't something that anyone would wish to listen to more than once unless they really, and I mean really, had to. You see, while I can write a song, I am no musical talent. I know about six chords, and the sound I make when singing is familiar to the noise made with a cackling goose as being repeatedly kicked in gradually increasing violence. (laughs) Anyway, so he found a guy he identifies him here, and I don't know if we want to identify him, do we? As, does he feel un? Uh, well, that makes him attached to us. He may he may not want to be attached to people like us.
1: I don't think he'd mind.
0: Okay. Well, his name is um, Toby Wilson. Sang it, and it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal, and um, and he performed and produced a track that uh, that the friend who remains unnamed uh, commissioned. So Dave is going to find this get this song somewhere where where you guys can hear it and it is it is marvelous. I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, never thought something like that would come out of out of uh, this little operation we have here. So that's very cool. Really fast, they've decided now that the Chinese, in fact, uh, at least the consensus is now revealed, based on a bunch of evidences that I don't have time to go into. But this uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, was in fact a gain of function system. In other words, they took the virus that might have been a natural or might have been in the animal kingdom only and they gave it what's called gain of function, which means they, they modified it so that it could be transmitted to human beings. Now, the supposed rationale of that is that if it ever happened, they would be able then to uh, facilitate some kind of response to it. But I, I don't think so. That, that Wuhan uh, Institute is a military institute. The Chinese cannot be trusted. That is one of the, one of the most, I don't know how to describe their <sighs> They are doing things that are unprecedented in history post-blood. How's that? Okay. Just wanted to break, uh, bring that out. Because I watching the Chinese and especially the nation of India deal with this, the, the Indian nation of India—I got to say that correctly—so people don't conflate it with uh, indigenous people in the United States. The actual country of India is in dire straits right now because of this gain-of-function process that has occurred with this virus that got out of that facility and now has killed millions of people all over the world and. The Chinese and the Indian nation, or the nation of India are not, how do we put it, uh, they are not friendly. And anything can happen over in that area. And so, (sighs) I've always was suspicious of it. And uh, now uh, my suspicions, I believe, are validated beyond dispute. Okay, enough of that. June the 6th, 2021, lecture discussion, got to check the time, lecture lecture discussion number 140 on the book of Joel, Daniel, Revelation, Ecclesiastes, Job, 1 Kings 13, 2 Kings 23. So we're right where we always have been. Uh, And I have this list on the board. The list on the board is what we're doing again. It'll take a long time to get through it. By a long time, I mean another three or four lectures. Once again, we have returned, though. Here we are back after our vacation. Insert your favorite idiom or allegory here. You can call us a bad penny, you know, you can call us a canker sore, we always come back, right? Our black mold, I'm pretty familiar with that lately. Lice, bed bugs, anything that's difficult to eradicate, that's going to be cliffside. So, uh, like I said, pick your allegory, your metaphor. And again, just recently I've done my fair proportion of mold remediation. On, uh, <laughs> when I say me, I mean Lori. Actually, I don't. It's both of us. We crawl around in the mold tearing out sheetrock, and we got gotten a real bad one here recently, and that's the second one in a row like that, and it's horrifyingly black mold everywhere, on every sheet, all the way up, all eight feet. So I feel equipped to offer my sentiment, sentiment as to what it would be that we would call a cliffside, and I settled on bad penny. We come back like a bad penny, and I believe I'm qualified to do that because I know bad Penelope. I know her, uh, and I know that where she is, she's in the Federal Administrative Maximum Detention, so uh, that applies, a penitentiary, correctional complex, what do they call that place? ADX Florence Supermax, I think is what they call it.
1: So, yeah. Okay,
0: so that uh, that's why I chose Bad Penny. It's a long story. Anyway, when we last had contact with our merry little band of us, which is Cliffside Travelers, May the 23rd, lecture number 139. We were at the list of passages that offered the best prospects of solving the veil, the segregating that is the current status of the human physical reality with respect to the angelic spiritual reality. I have a verse to read, so let me do that really fast. Because when you're talking about veils, of course, who are you talking about? As a person, well, that's Moses, isn't it, right? Some people would say, well, it's the veil in the temple. That's perfectly fine. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. But we all, un- with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Okay, I put that in there today because uh, you need to understand. When I use the word veil, I am using it with that, with Second uh, Corinthians three, thirteen through eighteen, in mind. Are we hearing some kind of rumble there, young lady? No, we're fine. No? We're fine? So, again, this list here is offering the best prospect, in my view, for solving this veil, this segregating, that is the current status. Let me repeat that, the current status of the human and the angel interaction. And that's why Moses' veil is brought up. Now, what Moses is talking about there, besides giving you that there's a veil between Israel and who? He says it. Christ. They can't figure out the Old Testament. I I listen to wonderful intellects uh, on the radio quite often. uh, Political philosophers. (coughs) And every now and then they decide that they're going to start talking about the Old Testament. They have no idea what it's about. They have a Christless position. They don't know that Christ is on every page. They can't see it. And you can tell them that he is. and You can show them. You do everything you can. And it won't matter. They can't see it. There's literally a veil there. And that's the same kind of process that I'm trying to illustrate with regard to the angelic realm. We can't see them. They're there, but we can't see them. Why is there a veil for Israel with respect to Christ? Why is there a veil with us, humanity, with, res- with respect to the angelic realm? So that's where we're doing and note the emphasis that I said on current status is the current status is today. It wasn't always that way. I hope I made that case as well as I could. And that carries the implication that there has been a divorcement from the purity of the original creation state. And I believe that's the case. We had a different situation. Back in the day. I'm a little worried. I keep hearing some feedback. Are you hearing any so, feedback?
1: I, is that
0: through the monitor? I this monitor here a little too loud. Okay, you can turn that monitor down uh, mechanically in the back. There's a volume control. Can you find it? If you can't... Power,
1: volume. Volume. And... Db, is that
0: down or up? Yeah. The, um, what, what's it sitting on now? What's it, what's it say? It's
1: sitting
0: at zero. Zero? Zero decibels, is that what it said? Let me come back. Okay. Let me, let me you, I'm I gonna have to it. I'm going to have to shut that off. Yeah. I can put That's minus six. Okay. Thank you. hmm so you have positive six decibel and minus six decibel. Okay, I'm back in operation. I hope. Am I? Okay. Okay. Fundamentally, there's two. Uh, there is a two, a duality of beings that have accountability, and that's what this is ultimately about. There are two beings. Two groups of beings that are subject to the judgment of their creator. Matthew 25, 41. It's on the list somewhere. Can't find it real quick because I don't look at it enough. Haven't memorized it. But Matthew 25, 41, of course, is the lake of fire created for Satan and his angels and humanity is added to them in the book of Revelation. Uh, there's uh, Mark 12, 25. Matthew twenty-two thirty, 30. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Mark 12, uh, 25. Matthew 22, 30. the statement from Christ. With the, with the Where he says the resurrected dead, the saved, the resurrected, saved dead will be like the angels. So it won't be the same as the angels, but will be like them. Now, some people uh, say, well, that has only something to do, they restrict it to, to physical marriage or for procreation with regard to humanity. But I think you have to be a little bit more careful there. When Christ says something, it just explodes in every direction. You, trying to grab it is very, very, very difficult. So what is the entirety of his statement, you will be like the angels? What is he trying to say? We know Matthew twenty-five forty-one. again, that the lake of fire was established for Satan and his fallen angels. That's why it was made. That's the primary purpose. And humanity that hates and rejects the saving grace and blood of Christ Jesus also will be cast into the lake of fire, which is an eternal confinement utter darkness yeah. and this is the question Who, humanity that hates him why do they hate Christ you can go into the internet and look up why do people hate Jesus Christ and you'll find all kinds of things it's amazing you'll see I hate Christians and here's why I hate Christ and here's why uh, why do they hate him what's he, what has he done to where they would hate him What did he do to them? You know, there's a bumper sticker, please God, save me from your followers. Uh, That's a completely different subject. I'm talking about specifically, what did Christ do that generated this kind of hate? Why do they hate him? John 15, 18 do 25. Why do they they, they hate? He said to the the disciples, look, they're going to hate you. They hated me first. They're going to hate you. And that's the same thing for all believers in Christ. Why do they hate him? Well, what's the easy answer? The easy answer it's more complicated than this. They hate him because they love wickedness. Romans 12:9. Now I sound like a 5-year-old kid. Why do they love wickedness? Every answer you get, you ask another one, right? Till you finally give them candy, then they shut up. So that's the that's the method. Except I can't eat candy anyway. So they love wickedness, but we have to decide why do they love it. Ho- hopefully we'll get close to that today. All of those who willfully choose this destiny of the lake of fire will be alike. They will be like the angels, won't they? In other words, if you reject Christ, you will be like the fallen angels, won't you? So the, the like now extends to the fact that your location, your your destiny that you chose, they chose it, and you would choose it if you were to reject and hate Christ as they do. Then you would all be alike. You would be in a general term, not you specifically, not to, to my huge audience here. Both of them, but that's the my whole point there. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah a point um, <laughs> is that the destiny makes them all alike. So if it makes the unsaved alike the angels, what will it do for the saved? We'll get to that. And that's going to be the same thing, see, because as it is with the those who are in the lake of fire, so shall it be with the residents of the New Jerusalem, which is Revelation 21. The saved, redeemed mankind and the faithful angels are going to be like one another, just the same as the fallen angels and the unsaved will be like in the sense of their destination. And that, that's only logical. The faithful angels and redeemed man will be co-heirs of the city that having the glory of God. Revelation 21, 9 through 11. So the new Jerusalem descends onto the restored, renewed, made fresh earth. Now, people will say it's a new earth, which means it's different from the old earth. The old earth was what? When you say it's a new earth, a completely different earth, what have you said about the old earth? You have to be very careful theologically. It's, the word does not mean new, it means uh, restored, r- refreshed, uh, r- maybe if you want to think of it, reconstructed. Like I would like to think that all of this remodeling that Lori has done, bah, she's slow. <laughs> Need to get her moving. But this isn't a new house. This is literally the same old rotten house, and it's been refreshed. And it's in the process of it. We got two doors to put in, and some roofing to do, and a driveway. And I got to reframe the front door completely because it doesn't fit what I'm going to put in there. Uh, anyway, God remains true to his law of mass energy conservation matter is neither created nor destroyed god will not destroy god will convert the creation that is here into energy revelation 21:1. the old becomes new but the original energy the particles if you want to think of it that way that all remains the dust all remains he's not giving you a new body in the sense that the old body is annihilated he does not annihilate he doesn't do it there's no extinguishment. There's no annihilationism. There's no monism. There's no atheism. All of that is a lie. They say it over and over and over again. Why? Why do they lie about it? They really don't believe it. Every time I talk to them, they don't. They don't believe it. They can't. They're, they're, we are wired to believe in eternity. He put that in us. He does not annihilate. Anyway, the New Jerusalem, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city to an innumerable company of angels. That's what it's called in the Bible. Now, who are those innumerable angels? Are they the fallen angels? Can't be. That's Matthew 25, 41 for them. That's where they are. So who's in the New Jerusalem? It has to be the faithful angel. Who else is in there? Angels. Who else is in there? Obviously, the ones whom have taken the blood of Christ. Uh, that reference, by the way, is Hebrews 12.22, for those of you who want to look it up. The city of the church of the firstborn, the registered in heaven, the just men made perfect, and the angels, the innumerable angels, Hebrews 12.22 through 12.23. That is what's in the new Jerusalem, and that is the Jerusalem that is free, liberty, that's freedom. Christ is offering freedom, liberty, and people hate him for it, and the angels hate him for it. Why would you choose slavery to sin over liberty? Right. Galatians 4.26, Jerusalem that is free. <coughs> Excuse me. And after the great white throne judgment, the city of God adorned like a bride. It has this theme of a bride coming down, comes down to the renewed earth. And the great white throne is followed by the restoration of the heavens and the earth. And that's God's stated order. So that he has an order here. And Obviously, there's great meaning in his sequences and there's why he does things in this process or this particular uh, system, if you will. And uh, again, he puts a sequence together and he follows it fantastically because he's really good at numbers. The trial of those in Hades and death. See, we haven't solved that yet. We have Hades and we have death. What's the difference? Death is obviously lake of fire. What's Hades? What's, why does he say Hades and death? Why does he just say death? When he separates them two, the two. He has the keys to Hades and death. So the trial of those in Hades and death is necessary before the heavens and the earth can be resurrected from contamination. If you want to think of it that way. It'll be resurrected from dust. It's just like our bodies are, are resurrected, the earth will be resurrected and the heavens. Okay. I've been slowly working my way through this, oh, not this, I'm doing this slowly, but I've also had a whole bunch of accumulating mail. And uh, and I'm going to have to, as I always do, attempt to reconcile, as I said, the Alaskan construction season with the amazing letters that come in. They're amazing. And I've got a handful of them and I've been knocking them out little by little. I'm probably a month behind. And some of them come up and, uh, and I have to move things around because they fit so well. We have Sherry, Sherry writes when she feels like it. And she's uh, uh, very impressive, bless her heart. She makes me laugh. And she's from somewhere, I don't know where she is. She said she was part of the, uh, uh, I can't remember how she described it now, my gosh. The hillbilly, uh, uh, what'd she call that? The hillbilly caravan is what she said. They move from one job to another based on the work available I think it's pipeline work is what what her husband does. But she brought up the death order of the crucifixion of Christ and I thought wow that's an important subject for this particular topic that we're on. I should have put it on there. I have it here somewhere. Where do I have it? I asked you which one of these... here's the lamb slain, the crucifixion of Christ. Whenever you're talking about the the crucifixion of Christ you have to to talk about the death order of the crucifixion because there's a sequence. Obviously, Christ would give up His life, uh, and He'd do it first. He would be the first to die, wouldn't He? Obviously, He would. That's John nineteen thirty-one and John through thirty-seven and John ten seventeen. He's going to do it first, because Sherry concluded; she figured that out very quickly. That that that's His life itself. He's life, so He's got to, He's got to go first. John fourteen six, John eight twelve. And he he that is life itself must depart. And knowing why that is so is greatly valuable to you. Why does he have to depart first? So go ahead and figure that out. And some of you already have. By some of you, I mean Terry. (laughs) Okay, once the death of Christ has transpired, then the avalanche of questions, though, then they start to pour out all over the place. One example, who of the remaining three who died subsequent to Jesus, who were in that death order, was the second one to die. How's that for a question? Of the three, who's the second? And notice I said three. Three others are included in this architecture that's the crucifixion of Christ. Obviously the saved thief and the unsaved thief had their legs broken to accelerate their suffocation. That was the purpose of it. They had to suffocate, isn't that interesting? They ultimately die of suffocation. Who are they next to? They're next to life, but he's gone. But he's also the what? What's he say? I am the breath of life. I'm the Genesis 2-7 breath of life, 722, spirit of the breath of life, Ecclesiastes 12. A wonderful song, 6-7. Obviously the saved thief, they have their legs broken. That's going to speed their, their death, their suffocation. And again, note that the breath of life, John 20, 21, Genesis 2, 7, did not suffocate. How do you suffocate the breath of life? If they broke his legs, would he have suffocated? No. Can they break his legs? That's omnipotent God. He has to participate in anything that's done in this crucifixion. He has to, he has to be involved. And I can tell you it is finished is really great evidence that he did not suffocate because he says that John nineteen thirty and it was shouted. It's a loud voice. Mark fifteen thirty seven confirms that it was a loud voice. So my opinion that it's a loud voice is confirmed by scripture. And so I'm right again though. That is a loud voice. How loud was it? And now let's go back to the question, which of the thieves was the second to die? One of them died before the other. They didn't die simultaneously. What are the odds of that? Come on. So one dies and then the other dies. Which one lasted the longest? I think it's obvious. Better question. Which of the thieves had the most time alive? Put it that way. And then, of course, comes the placement of Matthew 27, 5 and Acts one eighteen. The mysterious nature. Do I have this on the... I should have it here somewhere. Uh come on, I gotta find it. Where is it? Oh my goodness, I have to spend more time preparing. Oh, here it is. In, yeah, Death of Judas. Has to be on this list. I'm glad it is. Yay, me. This mysterious nature of the death of Satan Judas. When did that happen? Feel free to construct your own timeline now here. So you got Christ first, and then you got these other three to fit in there. Where do they go? The God man had a plan conceived before he installed time, Revelation 13:8. so he's outside of time. He is in authority over time. He's not subject to time. He sees all of time at the same time. He has a plan that, that precedes time. So when you ask a question about God's timeline, you have to understand he really doesn't have a timeline. But that's another statement, uh, or another subject later on. But certainly the Satan man, he's filled to overflowing with wisdom, Ezekiel 28.12. He had to move fast, didn't he? He did. You can see the urgency But in what Judas Satan does. How fast they have to move and how complex what they did was. So he had to develop a, a response, if you will, to Christ's crucifixion. And we need to list uh, the components of Satan, Judas' actions. Say, i got to say that in one word, Satan, Judas. His actions. Yay, a list, by the way. Um, and it begins, uh, if I'm going to have a list, and I don't have time to do a really good one today, but if I did, I would start it at Mark 13, 9. Judas Iscariot is chosen by the one who is outside of time, who is omniscient, who knows everything. Uh, God himself in the flesh Judas is chosen by God himself in the flesh to be one of the twelve Cover this before why knowing why he would choose Judas to be one of the twelve is of great value I'm going to say that a bunch of times today why did he choose Judas I can answer this really fast I'll give you some really quick gosh I hate to give answers let me
1: let
0: me I could drink <laughs>
1: Oh, I gotta
0: rethink that. I have lost none except. That tells you why he chose Judas. I have lost none except the son of perdition. So he lost one. Now that tells you why he chose him. Hey. Okay. There's a farewell kiss at Gethsemane. That tells you why he chose him. You have to know something about God. Does he love Satan? Yes, he does. Does he love Judas? Yes. That's why the Pharaoh kissed. Does Satan and Judas know that they're loved by God? Yes, they do. Their relationship is so much at a level that we can't even comprehend. As you know, much to the dismay of my lovely wife, I'm back to studying chess, which I did as a young man chess is fantastically interesting especially at the level, the highest level it's played because in order to play at that level you have to be able to see things that normal people can't see and that is my goal for my grandchildren here to, to be one of those people because if you are like that you will see things people do not normally see and that is a great advantage coming to scripture Judas has free will I have lost none except the son of perdition that's a demonstration, that is that is a statement that assigns free will to Judas. In case you think that he was, pre, he was made predestined to be in the lake of fire, which of course means God is evil. And that position is out there, especially as it's applied to children. Which is, I think, not just absurd, but it is wicked to say things like that. Okay, back to the lecture. The Lord God creator of all things. How many answers did I give? I kind of gave one, didn't I? Oh, did. yeah. yeah, good.
1: <laughs>
0: good. Let me read it off again. Farewell kiss. I've lost none except uh, uh, except Judas. He loves Judas. That tells you why he picked him. Judas has free will. That tells you why he picked him. What's he trying to do? What's his name? What does God do? Anyway, back to the lecture. The Lord God, creator of all things, John 1, 1 through 5, Colossians 1, 15 through 18, then says this in John 7, 70. So when you're talking about this death of Judas, these are the things that you need to consider. Did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is the devil? Now your Bibles will say A, but it is in the definitive article. It is the devil. Note the definitive article there. Next on our uh, uh, Yale list, Matthew 26, 14 through 16. Judas asked the chief priest, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? Paradimio. It's P A R A D I M, oh, I'm sorry, P A R A D I D O M I, paradimia, dimia, me. I can't say it, Paradid-o-me. Oh, there it is, paradidomy. What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And that word in the Greek means to hand over, to give, to deliver. It, it means betray very, very far away from its true meaning. What do you, your Bible say over and over and over again? Do they say deliver? No, they don't. They always say betray. How do you betray an omniscient, timeless God? You can't. It's not possible. The word is clearly deliver. I have gone through every one of these Bibles that I've ever owned, crossed out, betrayed, and put delivered in every single verse that I have found. I think I have found them all. The Great she- Shepherd uh, is talking to the Idol Shepherd, I-D-O-L, here. And the Idol Shepherd is goes to the chief priest what are you willing to give me if i deliver the great shepherd to you to hand him over to give and the chief priest counted out thirty pieces of silver and everybody thinks well that's the price of a slave it's not it is the price of the good shepherd zechariah 11, 13. He's giving him the wages that is asked for by God. So there, he's giving 30 pieces. The chief priest. sorry. He's giving to Judas the, the good shepherd money. The great shepherd money, if you want to think of it that way. Therefore, how's he identifying Judas? What is he saying he is? He's identifying Judas as the great shepherd, Matthew twenty-six fifteen. That's what they did they knew what that money was for they know zechariah 11:13 it's us dumb gentiles that don't know zechariah 11:13 what did they see in judas where they went we're going to give you this prophecy money he has satan inside of him what's he capable of what did he do where they gave him that money and again, those of you who think that he was remorseful, he was not. The word in the Greek means regret, as if he has been outmaneuvered. Again, I, oops, did that go? just go off? Yep. It sure did. This is why we have two. Why would that go off? Please. It sure did. Is it on this one like
1: that?
0: You turn that one back up. And what happened?
1: I don't
0: know. It went into mute. I didn't. No, it didn't
1: take
0: off the mute. No, didn't. that's your... Yeah, you're right, you're right. It's, uh, that's you want to
1: leave that on?
0: I don't know why it would go off. So, no
1: talking to your other... Oh, your level
0: ear
1: went off? Yeah. Oh, the le- oh, Battery dead.
0: went dead, didn't it? Oh,
1: oh, oh. That's what happens. Okay, go to
0: okay. other mic. Okay, I will go to the other mic. <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. Test, 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 test. Okay, I'm in there. This is why we have redundancy. Um, apparently the batteries died in the leveller. Whose fault was that, Terry? Mine. Okay, good. Is this loud enough? Yes, it
1: will be. Test, test, test. Give me
0: a okay. Go ahead. Okay, the chief priests, they counted out the 30 pieces of silver, that's Zechariah 11.13, that's the great shepherd money, therefore they identified Judas as the great shepherd, Matthew 26.15. So from that time, Judas Satan sought opportunity to deliver him, that word is there again, to hand him over. Delivering is a theme of scripture. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnip- omnipresent. God can never be betrayed. He's outside of time. Please don't do that. He was willing, however, and planned to be delivered by someone. And being delivered, again, this is a profound... Uh, the, the, this, this delivering thing is in, very important to God get rid of this betrayed because betrayed is impossible and it's also not a theme of scripture betraying christ isn't is ridiculous it's absurd delivering him is extraordinarily valuable and extraordinarily meaningful why does he want to be delivered anyway may he could have just walked in and turned himself in right he doesn't did you get a battery in it young lady
1: I'm going to turn it off and then we can Okay turn it Thank
0: you.
1: Sorry about that. Okay,
0: here. Test, test, test. That's good. Okay, Terry took responsibility for something that really wasn't her fault, but that's okay. That's why we we you know we like blaming her. Okay. Matthew 26:24. It would have been good for that man, the one that delivers Christ, the deliverer of Christ, if he had never been born. And that of course is Job 3:13 through 16, where Job says, I wish that I had been stillborn. It would have been better for me to be stillborn. That ties that stillborn to Judas. Why would it have been better for Judas to have been stillborn? Why did Christ say that? Why did God say that? It would have been better for the man that delivered me to have never been born. To have been stillborn. There's a difference between never brought into uh, any physicality at all and being stillborn. Being a baby that dies outside the womb, a baby that dies inside the womb. What does the Bible say about them in Job? It says clearly as it can be that they are what? Saved. Can't be any more. That it'd be better for that man if he had never been born. In other words, died in the womb. And that, and then we have this on the list also. Rabbi, is it I? Matthew twenty six twenty five. Both of them know that it is him. Why would to say, is it I? He knows Christ knows, Christ knows, that Judas knows. Judas knows that Christ knows that Judas knows, and Christ, of course, knows that Judas knows that Christ knows. So why does they say it? Why, they, why is that there? Why did Judas say that? That's Satan there as well. Why? Obviously, it isn't for Judas and Christ. It is for the audience that is there. Who is the audience? It is the 11 other guys and the angels. That's exactly right. Anyway, John 12, 4. Judas Iscariot of, of Simon, it says, some of your Bibles will have "Son of Simon," Judas Iscariot. Son of Simon. This, the word "son" is not in the text. The father of Judas Iscariot is never revealed, other than Genesis three fifteen. He's never defined as having a father, and the only place he ha- is defined as having a father is Genesis three fifteen. John thirteen twenty seven. After the sop, the dip bread that's given to the honored guest, and who got the who got the sop? The, who's the honored guest at that table? The, and I've said this many times before. That's Judas is the honored guest. He's the one that gets that is told is announced to everyone at the table. That is the be, the most loved one. He's the honored guest. A farewell kiss. I've lost none. Right? It all fits together when you see what Christ is doing here. Judas uh, is the honored guest, and Satan now enters Judas here. And the Satan man, or the Judas Satan, is now going to deliver the lamb slain, Revelation 13.8. The plan that is before time is now in place inside of time. What is the plan? What what is their plan? They, ha- they know, I've covered this many times, they know that Christ can't be killed. He's omnipotent, something. They, don't, they may not have the God man figured out yet, but they certainly know that this is an incredible being that can cast Satan away with a, with a word. So he's not in any danger of being executed, as far as they know. So why deliver him in the first place and take the great Satan, or I'm sorry, the great, great Satan, the great shepherd money? So what's the plan? I'll give you a clue on that too. This will answer the question The Antichrist dies. Revelation thirteen three, That tells you what the plan is. That's why death of Judas is on the board at number nine, uh, number N. Matthew 27, 3 through 9. Satan, Judas, regrets their role as the deliverer. They realize, okay, we were moving here and he's moving here. And we should never, ah, uh, uh, no, we should never delivered him. They're called the guide for those who arrested Jesus God, Acts one sixteen. The guide makes, that's exactly right. Forget the betrayal. They're not the betrayers. They're the guide. They knew that Christ knew everything they were doing. How do you betray somebody that knows what you're doing? That's not betrayal. That's just going forward with your plan. What's the plan? And they do attempt to, they they regret their role as a deliverer and they attempt to stop Christ's crucifixion. How did that go for them? It's impossible. As I said last week, they throw, or two weeks ago, they throw the 30 pieces to the potter. Again, they have to do that. That's Zechariah 11, 12 through 13. They're going to, they've got a plan and they're sticking to it as best they can. They try to stop the crucifixion, impossible. They they attempt to halt the trial of Christ by saying they delivered the wrong man. They think the Pharisees are stupid. Are they right? Yes, they are right. So they think they can manipulate them, but the Pharisees, unfortunately, are more stupid than they thought. And again, you see free will here. They can't control these guys, and they don't want to reveal themselves to to the Pharisees at this time. They can't. They won't. So there, we delivered the wrong man. that We misidentified him. That's pretty much what they said. We gave you somebody that isn't him. We're the only ones that knew who he was in the darkness. And we went to the guy and we kissed the guy. But that wasn't really him. That's what they said. That's some other guy. He's innocent. Let him go. He's not Christ. And the Pharisees don't care. They're going to kill whoever you give me. We're going to kill this guy. We'll kill him. We're going to kill another guy. We'll kill him later. We don't care how many we kill. We're going to get whoever You made a mistake. It's your problem. Go find the guy, and we'll kill him too, because they are clueless, right? They don't know what's really going on here. Of course, they can't stop the trial, because uh, again, it's to repeat, it's impossible to obstruct to suspend the death of Christ. He lays it down, and no one can stop him. John 10:18. Lastly, for today in this subject, Judas Satan hangs and himself and dies. Matthew 27, 1 through 10. Why does he do that? That's an important clue. The Antichrist dies and Judas dies. He died for a reason. What was his reason? What was the reason for Christ? Why did Christ die? To save as many as will come. What's the reason Satan and Judas die? To murder as many as they can. How does the death of Judas facilitate that? Obviously, many more important components that have to be on this list. Judas is called the son of perdition by God himself. Paul, the whole, through the Holy Spirit, calls the seed of the serpent the son of perdition, that the only one called the son of perdition. Perdition is a place. Judas goes to a place, Acts 21, I'm sorry, 124, his own place, the only one that ever went to his own place. Christ called Judas the evil thing, therefore, contrasting him with Jesus, who is called the holy thing. Judas has this money bag, this money box. He doesn't like the anointing oil. That's got to be... the Judas list is considerable. Pretty much you've got to go through whole, the whole book of Revelation to figure it out. Anyway, all of that said, the death of the God-man and the death of the Satan-man should be compared, which is why we have to deal with Absalom. Absalom adds a tremendous amount of value. Okay, so where does the death by hanging of Judas-Satan land in the timeline of the death order of crucifixion? I to do all of that just to get you back to where, where in the timeline Is the the saved thief, where is the unsaved thief, and where is the Satan man? Christ went first. It seemed obvious that Satan and Judas witnessed the death of Christ, as did the entirety of the angelic kingdom. And again, it is finished was really loud. Can they see the spirit of a person, a human being, or in this case, the God-man, can they see the Spirit leave the body, this veil again? We can't see the Spirit leave. I got a great letter on astral projection, and we'll talk about that as time goes by. wonderful lady wrote me in, uh, a letter that I can't, even, I can't even begin to tell you. I, I don't know that I can let anybody read it. It's amazing. And, uh, and that was her issue. If you want to talk about that issue again, that's the unnamed Anna. Same thing. Can we cannot see the spirit lead, but can they see it lead? Mean Being spirit beings. Okay. God intended everyone to know what he was doing. Why? It, it, when you know why he's doing it, then that's the great value. Again, this is he is refuting annihilationism isn't he he's making sure that everyone knows there is no annihilationism if you reject me you will go into a place of eternity you will not cease to exist we will never cease to exist we cannot cease to exist so annihilationism is on the table here and all of these things that Christ does among other things I mean it's just one of many many things obviously and, and so he must die first. And why he must die first, you, we've got to figure that out. There's an abounding, abounding of reasons, actually. And if you only find one, then you're, you're not done. You just found one. you got to keep searching. And I would suggest that you go to John 11:20 as a place to begin. Okay, moving along. Today's a good day to. And what's 11:20? That's Lazarus, right? Where Mary says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That tells you why he had to die first. Is Terry already figured out. Yeah. and the overtones of uh, Martha's statement I to this they're amazingly manifold there's all kinds of systems to it and uh, and Christ does not correct her when she says that he didn't say that's wrong you shouldn't say that he said that's right he didn't address it um, in, in you got Luke 849 through 56 and Lazarus, Uh, I kind of answered that, didn't I? Didn't I? I hope I did. That's what I call an answer. Here in beautiful downtown cliffside, which is not downtown. It's not beautiful, and it's certainly not on the side of the cliff. Okay. Once more, the task is to deduce why Christ must die first. Got to do that. Okay, moving along. Today is a good day to reemphasize Adam and, and his wisdom. Adam figured out quickly the death and resurrection of Christ. He, he's not deceived by the lie of Satan. So that gives him a tremendous advantage to figure out why Christ is going to die and, and resurrect himself. So he figured it out. In other words, the lamb slain before the advent of time, Adam was able to get uh, grasp that. Now, how did he do it? And he again not just before time, before matter, before energy, before space. And this is proved. We know Adam got a long way down the road here by what he says in Genesis three twenty, and what he experienced in Genesis three twenty one, and what he heard in Genesis three fourteen and fifteen, which is a trial of Satan, right? Uh, and what he heard in Genesis three sixteen and seventeen. Adam is an expert in Satan. He's a Satan expert. He was not deceived. And he put it all, all together, in my view, and he, he resolved the mystery, at least a little bit of it. In part, he gathered the key pieces, to say the least. And he and the woman are now dying. They're in a dying state. They've never been in a dying state before. They're dying. And Adam knows they're dying. How does he know they're dying? Genesis 2.17. In that day you shall surely know that you're dying. You will surely die. The mortigenic process began in that day and that Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. The tree of surely die. And with full understanding that his body is dying, he names, actually he renames the woman, the mother of all who live. That tells you that he understood resurrection. At least he knew something was going to come and fix this. The mother of all who lives. Who's, who, who are the ones that live? How do you live? As God defines life, as he defines living. Adam would, re, would use the right definition of live. He wouldn't mean temporal, physical life. He would mean the mother of those who live for eternity. That's what he named her. Adam knew resurrection was coming. Genesis 3.21 gave Adam the vehicle. He knew the resurrection was coming because he just had blood all over him. And and the woman had blood all over her. And as soon as he saw that, then he, of course, he knows. He's got to know. He knew beforehand that that there was something going to fix it. Then he saw what was going to fix it blood of the lamb slain. That's why people have all kinds of positions and what animals those were. I think uh, Revelation 13 8 settles it. Before time was the lamb slain. God wouldn't put a a porcupine in there, He put a lamb in there, right? Okay. Eve is the mother of those resurrected to life, the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem from above is the free Jerusalem, Galatians 4.26, Revelation 21, 5 through 7. We truly live, you see, when we are resurrected by the blood of the lamb slain. Eve is the mother of these, the resurrected to life. Adam likely figured out the seed of the woman would be the fulfillment of the lambs of Genesis 3.21. He said, Listen, these lambs are going to come. That's going to be the seed of the woman. Genesis 3.15. It's got to be put it together. Why wouldn't he put it together? He's much smarter than we are. It's the mystery of godliness that he probably couldn't get. First Timothy 3.16. Probably couldn't get all of that. Who could know that God himself would be the seed of the woman? That can't be be figured out, conceived. It's got to be revealed. Okay, since we're on the subject of Adam, we have the nakedness of Adam and the mystery of the indwelling to compare. The second mystery, Uh, that's down here on the very end, uh, number P. Obviously, the mystery of godliness and the mystery of the indwelling are directly linked, which means the fig leaves and Christ in us, Colossians 1, 26, 27, Galatians 2:20, 20, testify of, of each other. So Christ in us and the fig leaves have some kind of relationship. Adam covered himself because of his loss. He lost something, and he knew it. What was lost? How did Adam know he was dying? Same question. What evidence was undeniable? Same question. He lost something. Replaced it with fig leaves. Fig leaves stripped off, blood put on. He had all that information. He makes the right decision. That's the mother of the resurrected. And perhaps uh, someone might remember back on May 23rd. Who would remember? Lecture 139. At the very end, being that I am a highly trained religious professional, uh, or at least reputed to be, uh, I did this with a modicum of nonchalance. I asked what I submitted is a definitive question of Revelation 9, Joel 2, 1-5. through 5? I said, and it is this. Can the locust scorpions that have been freed from the abyss by the straw of straw, by the star fallen from heaven, who was given the key, by the one who has all the keys, Revelation 118, 3, 7 He's got all the keys. He gives Satan the key. And he goes down and he opens up the door, if you want to think of it that way, the abyss, and out come the locust scorpion things. These are fallen angels. They are led by Abaddon, who's an angel. He's called the destroyer. Can they see those people who have the indwelling? That's what I asked. Do you remember that? Can they see it? Can they go around going, saved, unsaved, saved, 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 unsaved, 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 unsaved? They have that ability. We cannot see the indwelling. They can Notice how I said that. They clearly cannot torment, the Bible tells us, of the hundred and forty four thousand of Revelation seven. Can't touch those guys, Revelation nine. They have the seal of the living God on their foreheads, Revelation seven, two through four. Nor they can they can these angels that came out of the abyss, can they harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree? Why not? The pivotal question really comes flying out to whoop us aside the head. Can the Abaddon-led locust scorpions harm the converts of the hundred forty-four thousand? Because they got a whole bunch of people. Can they can they torment them? Do the converts of the hundred forty-four thousand do they get the seal of the living God? Revelation seven two. Do they get the indwelling? Revelation 9, 4 through 6 is specific. Those who do not have the seal of the living God, only those, Revelation 9, 4, can be tormented by the locust scorpion things. Only those guys and women. They can't be killed. In fact, again, there's no death for 530-day months, 150 days. Genesis 7, 24 is God counts days and months. As an aside, I should say, by the way, uh, need to repeat it by the way I was born in 1953 isn't that amazing
1: Because
0: 490 times 4 490 times 4 is equal to 1953 go ahead use your phones I can't wait to get the mail and I was born in 1953 that's amazing why that's amazing. No one knows, and I'll deal with it later. If the seal of the living God is transformed, I'm sorry, transferred from the hundred forty-four thousand to the converts, then who are the ones that seek death and cannot find death? Who got tormented? If the if the hundred forty-four thousand don't and the converts, the hundred forty-four thousand don't, then who's left of all humanity? Who's getting tormented? By the locust scorpion things. Okay? Who are these that will desire death and will not find it for 150 days? Death will flee from them in Revelation 9.6. Some some of you might remember the two billion slain from Revelation 9.18 that came up two weeks ago. Killed by the 200 million horsemen things of the four angels. We need, we should reconcile the differences between the only one who can be tormented, the only ones who can be tormented, those who can be tormented, and the multitude that's murdered in the first half of the tribulation, Revelation 7, 9 through 17. I have a whole bunch of people that are killed. Revelation 7, 9 through 17. Revelation 7, 713 said, says, who are these dead people that are in white robes? And where did they come from? In Revelation 7, 14, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They were killed in the tribulation. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Why did they have tears of sorrow? These that were killed. God would not wipe away tears of joy. Duh. He wipes away tears of sorrow. So I have a multitude of people that are murdered in the tribulation. Revelation 7 that are before the throne. Their robes are washed white by the blood of Christ. And they have tears in their eyes. Why? And I'm clearly suggesting that Revelation 7:13 is not the raptured church. That's a strong As a raptured church position is all over the place. You'll find it everywhere. It can't be. The church is abducted before the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 37, Revelation 2.10. 10, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 18, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58, Matthew 25, 6, 25, 13. That's the that's the uh, the bridesmaids with the lamps and the oil. The rapture is a time of celebration. The bridegroom comes for his bride with a shout. There's not going to be tears. There's going to be joy. So he's wiping the tears of somebody. Who are they? There is no crying in the rapture of the baseball.
1: <laughs>
0: They're just not Revelation seventeen seven or seven seventeen is also reflected in twenty one seven. Gosh, trying to go fast. Is also reflected in twenty one four Revelation. I have the wiping away of tears at 717. And the wiping away of tears of Revelation 21.4. So we got to compare both. Why will there be tears in the new city of Jerusalem? Why are those people crying? That's after the great throne, white throne judgment. Again, Revelation 21.4 is adjacent to the great white throne judgment. Revelation 17.7 is contigu- contiguous. To the ministry of the one hundred forty-four thousand, so I am wiping away tears that attach to the one hundred forty-four thousand, and wiping away tears that attach to the great white throne judgment. All that to say, the book of Revelation is not sequential, not chronological, much like the book of Genesis chapters one through three. Revelation seven nine through seventeen is obviously those saved by the ministry, in my opinion, of the one hundred forty-four thousand, and the one hundred forty-four thousand has the seal of the living God, and I believe that it was transferred to those people who were killed. And how long did it take to kill that multitude? Now, that's not the two billion killed in Revelation 9. Necessarily. Or maybe. Or maybe not. Mm-hmm. You have to decide. I'm obviously making the case that the two, uh, the Revelation 7, 9 through 17, are in Revelation 9. And who are they? And how long did it take to kill them all? When was this great multitude killed and saved? When was it saved and when was it killed? It obviously was saved before it was killed. Don't you adore these yay timeline questions? (laughs) To reshape the issue, you need to list, gay list. All of the pieces. I have the mark of the beast. The point of no return occurs in the cessation period of the tribulation. The opportunity to be saved by Christ is forfeited by everyone who deliberately, knowing, fully, willingly take the mark and are marked by the beast. Every one of those people who do that, that that is the end of their ability to choose salvation in any form. To take the hand of Christ, to take the blood of Christ. It's over at that point. Why is there this cessation, this pause in the middle of the tribulation? Because there is. How long does it last? It's a suspension of hostilities, if you prefer a military metaphor, or ceasefire, if you like that best. The two witnesses are killed and resurrected in this abeyance, in this pause of judgment. There's no judgment for a period of time in the middle. How long a period of time is it? How long does he do this? We don't really know. we got three and a half years, three and a half years, and something in the middle. How long does he have to do that for? Where there's this pause of judgment. No judgments. The sixth trumpet. And now we're waiting for the seventh trumpet. Which is the seven bowls. Satan is cast down. In this pause. The witnesses are killed and resurrected. The abomination that makes desolate. Also occurs here. The Antichrist dies. In this period of time. What's the plan? It goes all the way back doesn't it? All the way back here. Same plan. Same reason that Judas hung himself is the same reason the Antichrist dies. Plan stayed the same. They're sticking with it. uh, uh, Michael and his angels, they throw Satan and his angels out of heaven during this time, this month. All of this is happening here. And more occurs between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. The trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. You want to think of them that way. The seventh trumpet, again, contains seven bowls. The seven bowls are the seven last plagues. That's what God calls them. These are the last plagues. Where were the first plagues? Oh, that would be Exodus chapter 7 through chapter 11. So obviously I've got to figure out how these plagues all fit together. He gave the Egyptians the same kind of information that he gave the tribulation of the world. The tribulation has a plague format, same as Exodus, and we expect the reasons of the plague to be identical. And I believe they are. At Revelation 9, mankind and the reason I said, and I have to I have to tell you, I believe that the Revelation seven multitude are the two billion killed in Revelation 9. I tried to obscure that when I realized I told you flat out. <laughs> so i gave up an answer that i really didn't want to give up but i'm old now so i'll tell you that's my opinion at revelation 9 mankind that does not have the seal of the living god on their foreheads are tormented by a baden led demonic army and these seek to die but death is suspended for 150 days and no death in four times uh, 490 is 1953 <laughs> What's the purpose of this torment? And so I got unsaved. who do not have the mark of the beast. They're tortured for 150 days, and they are miserable. They're trying to die. They can't die. God won't let them die. Why won't God let them die? See how we're back to the crucifixion? It's the same story over and over and over again. He will not let them die. Why not? Which thief are they? What's the purpose? What is being portrayed here? Notice I didn't say point. Then I'd have to say, yeah a point. Yeah. yeah. Certainly one facet is this relationship to the lake of fire. In the lake of fire, all who are imprisoned, both angel and mankind, are in torment for eternity. Why eternity? Because why? We're eternal. We have been given existence which is eternal, so it has to be eternal. Why can't he let them out after they learn their lesson? Why? They won't learn their lesson. They're like narcissists. They only get worse. There's a a political statement, huh? Mm. The unsaved are given a preview of sorts, if you want to think of it that way, a type Uh, Again, though, in the lake of fire, everyone is a prisoner there. There isn't anybody in charge. It's utter darkness. There is no one in authority in the lake of fire. Uh, And please, do not rely on the idiots of Hollywood uh, for your doctrine. They always show Satan in control. All the comedians talk about Satan in control. All the cartoons, Satan is doing something he's in. There's no one in control. Everyone is equally tormented. And I've often said that Revelation nine one through twelve also gives all of humanity a glimpse of the plan of Satan that goes all the way back uh, to Eve. His hatred for humanity, he hated Eve. He hated Adam. He's always hated humanity. That's ezekiel twenty eight. The descendants of Adam, he hates them. Satan knows his fate. He's accursed, He knows that, Genesis three fifteen through seventeen, right? He's got that. He's done cursed more than any. He knows. He knows the lake of fire was made for him and his demons. They know. They're not idiots like Hollywood. He wishes for as many who will join him to be in death with him. It's a hate-based system. Why would somebody want that? I'm going to worship as a god, the one who hates me. Makes no sense. It's a madness. Now who is Abaddon, this king over the locust so, 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 scorpions, the destroyer he's called? Who is he? What are the choices? Many say that that's Satan himself, others say that no, that's one of Satan's most trusted uh, angels, likely another seraphim or a cherubim that he knew really well, second in command to Satan. Obviously, I think Acts 1.25 says that it's, it's neither of those, it says that it's Judas. Judas is, without dispute, the most trusted of all of Satan's associates, Genesis 3.15. So we have the unsealed of humanity who go through 150 days of unceasing, excruciating agony. How many of these people go through that? That said, I'm not gonna get sealed, I'm not gonna convert, I'm not gonna listen to the 144,000. I'm going to maintain myself as a devotee to anything but Christ, specifically to a person not Christ. How many of those people are out there? How many of them get tormented? If two billion die from the horsemen, then I'm going to tell you that 6 billion are unsaved by the ministry of the 144,000. There's 6 billion of them there. We have 2 billion murdered by the four angels in their dem- demonic cavalry. Not to be consider- confused with Calvary. Calvary, as you know, means what? That's right, skull or head attaches to Goliath. Cavalry comes out. 2 billion are murdered by those four angels. So that means we have 6 billion that are alive. I'm attaching those 6 billion to the first woe of Revelation 9 and the second 2 billion to the second woe. If that makes any sense. We have the great multitude who were slain in the tribulation. I was trying not to reveal that until right here, Revelation 7, 9-17. All of this and more led us to the final lecture of I'm sorry, the final question of Lecture 139. Can Satan and his demons identify the seal of the living God? Can they see the indwelling? If so, why does he kill them? Because he knows he can't kill them, right? He'd kill the body. Don't fear the one that kills the body. Because he can't kill the indwelling. The indwelling is the breath of life. Can't do anything with it. So why is he killing them? Why did he torture the unsaved? Who... By the way, do what? They go right back to worshiping the demons that tortured them. How's that for a church that coerces its, uh, its congregation? I mean it's nuts. Absolute nuts. Madness. Why torture the unsaved who do not repent anyway? They still worship the demons. Revelation nine twenty. The obvious answer is and is obvious here. The reason he tortures them. And the reason he kills the saved is the same reason. And that is, the mark is coming. The mark of no, the point of no return comes in the pause. And that's what he's doing. That's what he did back in Gethsemane. That's what he's done all this time, and he's really going to do it when we get to the end of the age of the Gentile. Okay.
1: Remember now thy creator In the days of thy youth Before the golden bowl breaks Or the silver cords loosed Before the housekeeper treads. Remember now thy creator Before the evil days come When the evil days come And the dark years draw nigh When the sun, moon and stars Before you make that last journey onto man's long, long home, remember now thy creator before the funeral bell tolls. When the funeral bell. Dark shadows creep, and the mourners stand by. The closed doors in the street. Yeah, that day will soon come. In that much you can trust. the jazz